Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create conscious change all around the world. Now here's your Wickedly Smart host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate Wickedly Smart Women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our special guest, Alina Timofeyeva. Alina is a multi-award-winning principal at Oliver Wyman, which is a global strategy consulting firm, having previously worked at KPMG and Accenture. She progressed rapidly in less than seven years from graduate analyst to principal with four promotions in the last three and a half years. Day-to-day, Alina consults major financial services organizations like J.P. Morgan, HSBC, Aviva, on the topics of technology and innovation. She helps to make this world safe, customer-centric, and fair, which is particularly important in the new normal. And I am so excited and delighted to have you with us today, Alina. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for inviting me. So Alina, I mean, clearly you're a wickedly smart woman. You have become principal in less than seven years. That's astounding and astonishing. So I want to start by celebrating you. The first question I have for you, though, is was leadership always in your like DNA? Were you the gal when you were seven years old that was organizing everyone and telling them where to go and what to do? No, no, not really. So I think a bit about my background. I am now in London, I'm in UK, but I actually am originally from Russia, from quite a small town called Sonseva, and I was brought up by my grandmother. So basically nobody in my family has ever had this feminine leadership because all my family members were housewives. And I think when I was four, I really thought, you know, I'm going to get married, do the dishes, clean the house. Maybe I'll marry a really nice guy, but that's it. So I definitely didn't organize anybody and I wasn't like this leading woman in technology. So what inspired you then to, to start to move into both technology as well as leadership? Because te- technology obviously is still a predominantly masculine environment. So I'm curious about what was the moment where you suddenly said, this is the direction that I am going to lead myself in? Yeah, so there were a couple of funny moments and then like the actual logical moment. So the funny moment is I was very, very good in maths, but my grandmother didn't really agree to that. So she said, I can go to the best university to do maths as long as I get married. And the ratio of guys to girls is 50 to 1. So I will definitely get married if I go and do maths. That was the logic. And I've done all the maths. I didn't get married, but... My grandmother said, you know, you can do a master's now. And then the ratio is still very high. You can still get married. Then I did a master's. I still didn't get married. And then I did the second master's. And I still didn't get married. Anyway, by the time I got a job in Accenture, 
I was going for consulting. Accenture is a technology firm. They offered a couple of options. There was more management consulting and more technology consulting. And I was thinking of management consulting, but they said, no, 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 you did maths. So you have to do technology consulting. And that's kind of how it started. Ah, okay. So you sort of fell into what you're doing right now or were guided by the powers that be at Accenture. So when you moved into the consulting world, I'd love to have you talk about what you discovered and some of the things that you needed to do maybe internally to lead yourself to the Mm -hmm. successes that you have manifested in a world that I would imagine still is very predominantly male dominated. Yeah. So there were a number of things. I mean, first of all, I was an immigrant when I joined Accenture and I did not fit in. And it wasn't just about me being a woman or me being an immigrant or being from like very simple background. It was a combination of everything. So literally, I was surrounded by lots of men who were like 10, 15 years older than me. Uh, who were maybe managers, senior managers, but they would, you know, give me these little tasks like write my minutes or do my meeting here. And there wasn't anything which kind of felt that they really believe in me. And, you know, if I stay 7, 10, 15 years, I'll become, you know, a principal or managing director, whatever it is. And I think I was very annoyed about it for the first few months because I was giving these mini tasks of like organizing SharePoint, chasing people for slides, making plans with other people. And then I think the point which really helped me is when I started voicing my opinion in terms of, you know, have you thought about this or have you thought about this? Or I read your analysis here and I think this. And people started to kind of listening to this. And then I got, I wouldn't say promoted, but I got put into a nicer role of a business analyst where I could actually show all my problem solving skills and develop further. But I always faced a little bit of this questions from people like, who are you? You're too young. You're too blonde. (laughs) There's something wrong with you. Why are you telling me what I should do? And it has been changing as I've been progressing, but historically in most of my roles, everyone I work with are men. They're like white men who are maybe 15 years older than me. And some of them oppose, some of them are fine with me. Yeah, well, so I wanna stop right there because I feel like the important thing that I want our women around the world to hear was that you had your first kind of breakthrough in being able to move in like in an organization that is primarily entrenched in a you know kind of white male mindset shall we say the movement started when you decided to voice your opinion so i'm curious what, if anything, you did internally or whether or not you had outside any kind of outside support to actually feel safe, powerful, valid, you know, able to voice yeah. your opinion? Yeah. I mean, I can't say I had lots of external support, although I did have it throughout the career, but maybe not particularly in that moment. 
I would say that I was so miserable because I couldn't pay rent and I couldn't afford like the stuff which I really wanted to have. And I just moved to UK. So I felt that I'm really not belonging. So I just need to do something to change my life or to change my state. But I do want to recognize that, you know, as I move through the ranks and actually I joined another organization later on, I had like my boss and some of the more senior men who were really very supportive and they would say, you know, I recognize that you are very good and I believe in you. And that was something which was a catalyst and which helped me even more, you know, to believe in myself. That it's not just me saying that I'm good, but actually somebody recognized. Yeah, I want to also go back to the fact that you literally grew up in an environment where what you do now wasn't even on the radar screen. And so you also had this cultural and familial framework that was expecting you basically to just be a housewife. So I'm curious, as you have progressed and as you have really claimed your own destiny, shall we say, led Mm -hmm. yourself into your own true destiny, did you have challenges in in your family? Like, did that come up as well? So not so much with my Russian family. I think that they recognize what I'm doing. I did get married fairly recently, although my family may not fully agree with my marriage, but, you know, they they are happy that finally it happened. I think it's a little bit, you know, how I deal with my husband, because to be honest, when I started, I was a graduate and he was like a manager. So he was much more senior than me at the time. But now seven years passed and now I'm more senior than him. And it's kind of this balance because I may have sold myself as a housewife seven years ago, and now I'm doing all these leading roles and I'm not actually doing a lot of housework. So that is the key challenge which I practically have. I think with the family, I mean, they are happy broadly. They still have this view that, you know, maybe I'm doing too fast, I'm going too fast, or I'm too aggressive or too ambitious. But because I live in a different country, nobody necessarily, you know, comes and tells me what to do. Ah, well, nobody tells you what to do. Beautiful. All right. Well, I want to let you know that we're going to go to a break shortly here, Alina, but I'd love to have you maybe talk a little bit before we go to the break about what made you actually decide to present yourself as a housewife when you got married, but now you've morphed into something else. I mean, when I met my husband, I just moved to UK. So that was a while back. And to be honest, I didn't necessarily believe myself and my own possibilities of progressing fast. So I looked at the people around me. It showed that roughly to make a director, it takes like 15 years. To make a managing director, it takes 20 years. Some people make it, some people don't. And when I looked around, there were no immigrants, no women in senior roles. So I didn't actually think it's possible. So I thought, you know, I'm going to do my housework. My husband will be successful. I'll invest as much into him as possible. He'll be a managing director and I'll do his shoe shining from time to time. I mean, that was how I saw myself. And to be honest, at that point in time, I truly believed in it. But then I, when I started, you know, making my efforts, speaking my opinion and people started listening, it's kind of transmitted slightly in my own confidence internally, but also externally how people see me. 
Mm, beautiful. Well, we are going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the book that you're a part of, as well as your TED Talk. But right now, Wickedly Smart Women, we could use your help. If you're enjoying this show and want us to stay on the air, please consider making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com. We'd also like to ask you to share with your lovely lady friends who you think might benefit from our content. Help a gal out and let your sisters, mothers, daughters, friends, and colleagues know about the show so that we can serve them too. I do want to say a big, huge thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We've had a 27% increase in downloads just in the last two weeks, so that's pretty exciting. And we want to welcome even more downloads from all around the world. We are Really excited today to shout out to our listeners in, well, we might as well do Russian Federation because we have listeners there and we might as well do the UK because we definitely have listeners there. And I guess the last place we're going to shout out to is maybe Hong Kong. And we will be right back with Alina Timofeyeva. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by The Wealthy Life Mentor. Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman creating your wealthy life by design, a life that is an extraordinary work of art? Angel B. Hartwell, The Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by Women in Transition, Women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance, become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, balanced life of shameless self-expression. Discover your Wealthy Life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com. And we are back with Alina Timofeeva, and we want to let you know where you can find out more about her and connect to her inspirational TED Talk, which has been translated into 30 languages, where she talks a lot about how you need to fail but never give up. And we're going to go into that a little bit here on the back half. You can get in touch with her at her LinkedIn, which we will have for you in the show notes, which is basically her name, Alina Timofeeva. And we'll have that for you in the show notes. And you can also check out not only her TED Talk, but she is part of a book called Wonder Women. So Alina, let's talk about what was it besides speaking your truth and sharing your opinions Can you point to anything else that fast-tracked you to where you are today? Because before we, when we went to the break, you were still in the mindset seven years ago of, I'm going to be the the executive's wife instead of being the executive's boss. (laughs) So is there anything else that you can pinpoint that happened in that journey and maybe that you might've talked about in your TED talk? Were there specific failures that actually pushed you in the direction even faster? Yes. Yeah. So that was definitely an event which happened, I think, four years ago or four and a half years ago. So I was pushing for my promotion. Nobody believed in my promotion. And I was actually put on non-development or non-performing plan. And I was very sad about it. I also 
split from my husband or my boyfriend who's now my husband at that point in time. And what I realized is that I'm sitting in a very, very, very small flat. I can't pay rent and I don't know how fast I'm going to progress. And I don't know when I'm going to get to pay the rent. So I started coming with more exotic solutions. I fat on Airbnb, started getting some money out of it. But I also started looking for people that really want to believe in me or believe in me or at least want to invest time in me. And I changed my job at around the same time. And my boss was really, really very, you know, complimentary of what I was doing. So that helped. I mean, the second thing was And I'm not very talkative, or at least I wasn't very talkative at the time. I was very, very introverted. So I made an effort to go out to speak to people, whether it's events or graduate recruitment or any, you know, kind of networking things. So I invested a lot in building my LinkedIn, you know, getting to know the people, getting to know how you can talk in a way that kind of sells yourself. And not in the way how the salesman does, but more like, you know, I've done this and you need to recognize how good I am. And you need to believe in the fact that I can do even more if you support me. So this really helped me, I guess, with my boss and with my colleagues in my second firm. And I think the third thing, I do fail quite a lot of times, but I think I'm quite resilient. So it started with the fact that I couldn't get a job in the UK for a long time. And in my TED talk, I describe how I flew from Moscow to London. I applied to 500 jobs. I got 497 declines. I had people literally telling me that I have no soft skills. I can't get a job. And it wasn't like a high position. It was just a graduate job, to be honest. And then I had challenges with getting the work permit, challenges in terms of moving. So it was all very kind of difficult. But the same mindset of, you know, being resilient, it helps me grow as well. Because some of the things I do is innovation. Some of it is selling innovation. Some of it is developing innovation. And whenever you do it, you are, you know, you have failures. And I don't get, you know, so super upset as perhaps some of my colleagues, but I just try and try and try again. And then, you know, ultimately something good happens and then I get recognized. Well, so what I'm hearing there, and I want to like underscore some of the things that you said, but the like the pearl of wisdom there is that you recognized first your own value. Right. And, and it you, took some time. It took some time because like my family were not seeing it and nobody, you know, came to me and said, here you go. You're so good. Here is a promotion to you. Yeah. But not only did you have to like step one was you had to you had to actually internally say, I am going for this. I am worthy of this. I have value to offer that is not being seen and you made the internal choice to stand in your own value and then become an advocate for your value and continue to communicate your value out into the marketplace. And so the reason I'm pointing these things out is because we have listeners who are you know, obviously, you know, corporate women in leadership, but we also have women who are in entrepreneurial ventures. And this 
type of attitude and choice, like you made the choice, this type of choice, it goes across all of those lines, right? It doesn't matter whether you're advocating for a promotion or whether you're seeking new clients in your entrepreneurship, Mm -hmm. you've got to be clear on your values. So, and you also started to sell, like you were selling yourself, but in a way that wasn't hypey, shall we say. So I'd love to have you share like one spectacular failure because your topic on your TED Talk is about fail, but never give up. So can you share with us one spectacular failure that like really stands out that you made these maybe exotic solution, you found the exotic solution to the failure? (laughs) Okay, I mean, I used to work in McDonald's a long time ago. I mean, not so long time ago, but I would say 10 years ago. And I was washing floors. So that was the job I was given to wash floors, to wash the toilets and to wash the, you know, the tables. And the only other thing I could do was also do the fries. But they rejected me from the position of happy meal, you know, where you stand in your, you know, at the cash and you're like, hello, how are you? Because apparently my soft skills were very bad. And I tried going for, let's say, my promotion because the way McDonald's works, there is also like a career path and you also go like from analyst to analyst to whatever it is. So the promotion was for a Big Mac and I failed an exam in Big Mac. So there were two exams. One was about how you practically go and do it. And the other one is more like a written exam, how to make a Big Mac. So I don't know, they ask you, you know, what is it made of? What sort of sauce you put on? How much sauce you put? And whatever it is. So I feel the part about the sauce and how much sauce you put and how it all works. So I didn't get promoted to do a Big Mac. And I was left to do the fries and to do the washing of the floors. And basically, I remember that I was sitting with a director of this McDonald's and he was trying to inspire me. He was like, if you pass the exam, if you stay at McDonald's in 10 years, you're going to be a director of McDonald's. Just think about it. You're going to manage one little McDonald's. And I was like, no way. (laughs) I have like bigger dreams. But To be honest, I did did fail it. And the second thing which I failed, which was quite funny, there is this restaurant Fridays, which is like a chain, and we had it in Moscow. So I wanted to do the waitress role in it. And I came for an interview and they said, I'm not funny. I have no soft skills. I can't sing happy birthday and I can't tell a story. And there is no way I can do the waitering. So, yeah, I mean, now I do. Great failures. Great, great failures, Selena. Now, before we close, we've only got a couple more minutes. I would love to have you celebrate for us your biggest, what you feel is your biggest success, right? Because you got up and you kept going and you didn't give up. And now you are light years away from cleaning toilets at McDonald's. So what would you like to celebrate as your biggest success? And you know, if there's a thing that you know that you did internally to make the leap mm. from washerwoman to woman in charge. Yeah, I would say that probably the biggest thing is the confidence and, you know, the belief that wherever you start, you can move up. And it's convincing yourself first, but then convincing the other people around you. Because I can't imagine if I came to an interview and told a story how I used to wash floors at McDonald's, and everybody would hire me as a principal, not a woman. But 
I mean, it's this internal thing that you are worthy and that you can do it and you can kind of move on because of even if you have failures, even if people don't see you as anything, you know, special. That was the main thing, which I think really helps. But I think it's the thing which took me the longest time in my own head to think about it differently. Yeah. So was there anything that you did that you might, you know, share with our listeners to change that thinking? Did you have any kind of like spiritual awakening? Did you have a practice that you did? Did you put sticky notes on the wall? Did you write lipstick on your mirror? Like, was there anything that you did that allowed you to make that switch? I think that there wasn't anything which was, you know, so logical, but I feel that when I was placed in the positions where I felt absolutely miserable, that I can't pay the rent, you know, I can't afford the lifestyle, I don't know how worse it could become. That was the thing where at least my brain or my internal kind of self started thinking more creatively, what can I do? And then this misery accelerated me so much that I could actually, you know, go and do it. And basically, I just didn't care. So I think one of the things which I try doing is to zero out what other people tell me. So for example, if they tell me, you know, you can't do it because you don't have connections, or you can't do it because it's too far, or you can't do it because it's not possible, you can't do it because you are, I don't know, a woman, a young woman, whoever it is. Like one of the biggest things which I try changing is just in the mindset that other people don't necessarily matter in terms of telling me, you know, what I can and I can't do and that nobody can tell me what exactly, you know, I'm worthy of. Beautiful. Well, the last thing that I want our listeners to hear there is that her misery accelerated her trajectory. (laughs) So, you know, if you're in misery, it not only accelerated her trajectory, but it actually activated her creativity. The misery activated her creativity and zero out the critics, including your own internal critics. Alina, it's been wonderful to have you here today. I'm so grateful that you came. What a lovely interview and what, you know, just brilliant role model you are for what's possible in the world. I'm just really excited that we were able to spend this time together. Just don't forget, listeners, that she does have links to her TED Talk as well as she's in the book, Wonder Women that is all going to be found at her LinkedIn, which we'll have for you in the show notes. And we do love feedback. So please let us know what you thought of today's show by calling into our listener line. We'll have that for you in the show notes, or you can send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wickedlysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your ears open. And remember, you are a wonderful woman. Thanks for tuning in, downloading and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.